Hi, welcome to one of our Ensign Services podcasts where we delve into the different aspects of Caplico um, and amongst a variety of other trainings as well. Um, I'm Ryan Rushton and today I'm here with Clay Christensen and we're going to be talking about one of his favorite core values today, which is the value of ownership. Yeah, are you allowed to have a favorite core value? Uh, Are they I, like kids, where you're not allowed to have a favorite? Because I have a favorite kid. Well, that's that's I want. I would like you to answer which kid is your favorite yeah, on this podcast today. Please, you're going to have them all just depends guessing on the then. day. It's whichever one likes me that day. And, and I don't know. It's a, it's a, that's a great question, though. I mean, I, I know I, I debate that question a lot with folks, which is, um, can you have a, a favorite core value, and, and which is yours? And it, I think it creates a lot of great conversation. Um, I know I, I can't pick a favorite core value. <laughs> so so I am interested because that's how I feel, um, why you do feel that this core value um, is so important and, and you put it on, on, on a pedestal so high. Yeah, I, um, I oftentimes ask the question in my trainings, uh, maybe many of you have been in these trainings where I say, hey, if you could wave a magic wand and, and have everyone in that operation perfect in one core value which core value would you pick and and you know we get all sorts of different answers mine mine is ownership Hmm. i I think it would have the most drastic change on our uh, on your operations there's a funny cartoon i'll try and describe this it's it's of a rowboat that has people in each end of the rowboat but but one end is sitting much lower than the other because there's a hole in it and you see water springing out at one end of the rowboat and those on the lower end where the hole is are bailing frantically as it sits lower in the water. Those who are propped up on the other end of the rowboat are seen making the statement, I'm sure glad the hole isn't in our end of the boat. Now, if you can picture that, it's, it's funny because there's a, a, an acute lack of awareness of the ownership Issue. In fact, if if clearly if that situation is clearly understood, mm-hmm. uh, while that hole is not in the end of their boat, they are still very affected by the hole, and they need to be owners of that hole, and they need to understand their ownership of that hole. And it reminds me a lot sometimes mm-hmm. of of operations where maybe you see CNAs and housekeepers, uh, or or whatever whatever position in a facility. And census goes down, mm-hmm. um, and they don't really care, or maybe even they're potentially a little bit happy about it because it it, it seems to mean a little bit uh, a, a less work mm-hmm. for them. They they almost feel bad for the leader of the operation, who they know is accountable for the higher census, but but they don't feel that ownership or the pressure that comes from that ownership that that a lower census might cause. And just like the people on the other end of the boat that are, they say, man, I sure feel sorry for that ED. I'm glad the hole is on their side of the boat and not mine. No, that's a, <laughs> that's a great, uh, that's a great analogy. Does I that like make the way sense? you tied that but together. But it affects right. them. Right. Right. The low census affects them. It, it look, so the, They're I, just not necessarily seeing that they are going to be just affected can't by see that. It. Yeah, they don't, mm. they, they, they don't, they don't have that feeling of ownership. Look, mm. ownership means it all falls on me. But it also means I can affect change anywhere. I can be more influential. I won't be a victim because I'm an owner. I'm empowered. The, the concept of um, it, all felt, it all falls on me sounds quite stressful. Um, I'm not sure that ownership sounds all that appealing if it makes just everything fall on me. 
Yeah, I uh, I understand that, and I and I want to change your wording just a little bit because I I, I want to make sure that we we focus on these two words. I honestly don't think ownership is more stressful. I think ownership. I'm going to make up a word here. I think ownership is more pressureful. Uh, the example that I've always taken from, uh, you know, I, I first heard it from Liz Weissman, and she's talking about, I believe it's William Tell in her book, uh, Multipliers, and, mm-hmm. and talks about the, I think it's a father and a son where, where uh, they, they put an apple on the head of one of them, and the other one is going to shoot the apple off the head with an arrow. Now right. imagine this scenario. Just, just picture the, the apple on someone's head standing there still. Maybe they're blindfolded. And, and the person shooting the arrow uh, is, is pointing the arrow right at the apple. The person with the apple on the head feels a lot of stress. There's a lot that's not in their control. They just need to stand there and hope. Yep. The person that is shooting the arrow feels a lot of pressure. There is a lot that they can control. Yeah, I, I, I love that analogy. I, I um, remember, you know, Liz... Um, sharing that example as well and I've, I've used it since then because I think it really does a great job of, of highlighting the, the difference between stress and, and pressure you know one where you have absolutely no control over the the you know scary situation that's coming at you and and the other is still a scary situation and you just but, have to sit and yeah, hope you, and hope you just have to sit and hope yeah I, I think that employees that don't take ownership for things feel more stress yeah they just have to hope that the problems get solved. They hope, have to hope that people around them make better decisions, and they feel more like victims. But an employee that does feel ownership is going to feel more pressure. But, but remembering it's pressure that they can have control over and not be a victim to. Now, now, here's our problem as leaders. I think oftentimes in the name of trying to remove as much stress as we can from our employees, we accidentally end up removing some of their pressure. Hmm. And therefore, we distance them from that feeling of ownership. In other words, we're often the cause of our employees not feeling like owners of an operation. We, we wish they would act more like owners sometimes, but in reality, we're the ones that are protecting them from that feeling of ownership. I, I, as you describe that, I really hope that that's not something that that I do. Um, could you, you don't mind giving me some examples of that? Would yeah, you? I mean, I, I think I do it. I, I'm sure I do it because I, I think I do it with my kids and I, mm-hmm. I do it with my with my teams because I want to be a good boss and so I don't want people to feel too much pressure. But if I'm robbing them of that, mm-hmm. I'm robbing them of that opportunity to feel the joy that that comes from ownership. So so let me take a let's take a, an operation. Let's take a a skilled nursing facility that has a census drop in their facility. Now, the natural laws of economics and finances tells us that that when we have fewer customers, when there are fewer residents, all things being equal, we have less income. We have less money coming in as well as less work to be done. So a disciplined leader is always going to appropriately adjust staffing to address their current patient population. But that might require that caregivers or housekeepers or others that that need the work be called off because the operation, the facility doesn't need them. And that creates a pressure on the employee who needs that job. So maybe a leader 
and, and they think it's out of the kindness of their hearts, they, they decide to not adjust staffing appropriately in hopes that, that census will soon go up again. And, and they don't get it to the appropriate level of census, and they remain overstaffed for a time because we want to protect that employee from the pressure that comes from having a lower census. Therefore, when staffing goes up again, there's not a whole lot in it for them, except for, frankly, more work. <laughs> so they'd honestly just assume it stays down. They don't have a feeling of ownership. They, they have a feeling of, of I want to make sure I'm doing as little work as possible because it's all the same to me. Right. There's no pressure for them to keep it up. Now imagine, however, we allow them to own that pressure. And then they come to realize that they own the results of that operation. That pressure is going to work in them a desire to be the best housekeeper or laundry worker or caregiver or whatever job they have possible. And if they're doing an amazing job, if they're, if they're looking for moments of truth, if they're looking for better ways of doing their job, more patients are going to want to patronize their operation as opposed to other operations. Mm -hmm. And they can celebrate a higher census and be satisfied in the fruits of a job well done. It, it's a lot of hard work, but the pressure pushes them to do the best job possible. And now because they've felt that pressure, the reward is, is so much more sweet. Hmm. And, I, and I think we, you know, we mistake this when we talk about culture. Part of your culture should be one of pressure, not just from you as a boss or... or uh, even just from peers, but but pressure for performance. We, I think the mistake we make is we misdefine culture as everyone gets along and everyone's happy at work and, and nothing is stressful and we don't feel any pressure. And hmm. <laughs> I think I think you can and, and I, I think I've misunderstood that in the past, but much of true culture should involve pressure to excel, pressure to do better. Thus, when they succeed, their ownership in the situation allows them to feel a joy and excitement they never could have felt without that pressure. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That makes yeah, a ton of have sense. you ever seen, Ryan, that video I show of the, the kid on a ski jump? He's getting ready to do a ski <laughs> jump. You know which one yes, I'm talking no, about? No, I, I do. I love that video. And, and you watch this video, and you see this kid getting ready to do a higher jump than he's ever done, and you just hear his voice <laughs> trembling. You, yep. you all, and, and as a parent, you would want to go and wrap your arms around them and say, it's okay, and maybe even say, you don't, don't have do to it. do you this. don't have yeah, to do this, right. You don't, but, but you just hear a coach that allows the kid to embrace the pressure. Yeah. Yes, it's 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 you're going to go faster. It's the same <laughs> steepness. He starts giving him kind right. of the brutal facts. Yeah, you're, you you need to be aware of this. You need to be ready for this. <laughs> but you're going to be fine. But 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 my favorite part of the whole video is when the kid accomplishes the jump. Yeah, and he and he arrives at the bottom, and you hear him just just unbridled joy. Yeah, just woohoo! I I did it. And if if that coach had robbed him of that. That feeling that comes, I, I feel like that is the joy that comes from ownership. But in order for him to feel that ownership, he has to feel that pressure at the top. He has to, he has to carry that on his own so that he can succeed. And I, I just, I think I've come to realize I rob too many people of that, of that joy that comes with ownership because 
I don't want them to feel so much pressure. Yeah, so you're, you're really saying part of a leader's job is to make sure um, that there's the right amount uh, and the right kind of pressure on their employees. Yeah, I mean, uh, imagine you're at a gym. You know, by looking at you, I can tell you've never been to a gym. But, but a... <laughs> Wow, you've, <I've>, you've never, <laughs> just every day I've been to a gym. I mean, I don't need to because of the... <laughs> so, so consider, at, at a gym, Ryan, they have somebody, something gi- called How do you spell spotters. that? Is that a gym? G- <laughs> J G J I M Jim. So imagine imagine you're a spotter at a gym, and really that's what a leader is. Your goal isn't to have them do as little work or as feel as little resistance as possible. Otherwise, you're saying, "Here, let me take all the weights off for right. you. You can lift that bar so many times, you'll feel so good about yourself." But you never feel that joy of of pushing against that resistance and succeeding at getting that bar up. As leaders, we can't be removing that pressure, but instead encouraging them, maybe sharing the pressure a little bit, sharing that ownership that we feel so that they can feel the joy that comes from the success of overcoming the pressure. We need to make everyone owners and not just renters of their jobs. So so how do you, how do you even define ownership? Um, or from what you're saying, it almost sounds like you're saying it's synonymous with pressure. Yeah, I... Um, I ask that question a lot in trainings, and I, I, I'll sometimes say, okay, in 10 words or less, I want you to define ownership. And man, people struggle with this. <laughs> I've, I've heard all sorts of uh, answers to that. I, I've heard people say, ownership means it's all my fault. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, you know, different things. And, and it's really interesting. I, I think all of them have great, I, I, even though I don't quite agree with the definition, it's all my fault, I think there is something in that right. that, is, uh, that, that we can learn from. Um, so I, 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 I want to find one that I, uh, that I love the most, but the best way for me to conceptualize ownership is, is the rental car example. And I, I know people have overheard this, but I, it, it just hits home for me mm. when I rent a car and I travel a lot and I, I rent cars. When I bring that car back, I make sure it's filled with gas. I make sure that there aren't any scratches or, or dents or dings. I, I, I make sure that I've complied with the contract, but I don't I don't wash it. I don't get an oil change. I, I don't do the value added things right. that will help increase the value of that car because frankly, I don't care. I don't care. I rent that car. I don't care about making it better, but 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 the car, I think of the first car that I owned, a 1994 Forest Green Nissan Sentra with a dent on the side and a clutch that gave me a cramp every time I pushed it in. <laughs> I loved that car. I loved that car. I washed it. I waxed it. I put armor all on the tires. And I I, I still see. I still saw that you were driving it when you pulled into the parking <laughs> lot today. Well, no, I'm not. But still, you know, at the time that I owned it, there was so much pride. And it was it was probably the cheapest car I ever bought. But, it, but I worked so hard. Um, to to save up for that car. In fact, I think another great example I, I love uh, when I lived in South America. I lived in Ecuador for mm-hmm. a while, and and a lot of people in South America and in, in Ecuador have dirt floors, and I used to see them sweeping those dirt floors, and I'd think, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's just more dirt under that dirt. I mean, what what are you sweeping? What are you trying to do? And I came to realize, look, they confronted the brutal fact that I have a dirt floor. Right. But I'm going to make it the best looking dirt floor in the neighborhood. And, and that is ownership. Wow. That is, wow. That, and, that's and, a great and ownership I, story. And it went from something that I sort of scoffed at to something that, that almost made me emotionally drawn yeah. to them and, and, and made me respect them so much because they owned their house no matter what their situation. And they were going to make it 
as as uh, as appealing as possible. Yeah. So how do you know? How do you really know if an employee um, owns or rents the job? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I kind of think of uh, um, oh the the comedian that says you might be a if you know, <laughs> right this is, so you might be a renter if. Jeff Foxworthy that's that's who it is okay you, you might be a renter if if your employees don't have any goals um, hmm. they don't have any metrics that they're shooting for they 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 show up on time they clock in and out on time they make sure they take their appropriate breaks. But they don't have anything that they're really shooting for. They're just sort of complying with the contract. Mm-hmm. They're probably probably a renter. They don't care about census. Sometimes I go around to operations and I ask them, you know, I'll ask a CNA or a housekeeper, hey, what's the census here? I don't know. No idea. Yeah. Well, what, am I supposed to know that? If you're an owner, yes, because you're going to take pride in it. Financial results of the operation. Look, we be- we believe in sharing those things. Um, and and if they're if they don't know if they're they're successful or not successful and don't care, they're probably just a renter. Customer service. Do they know what the customer feedback uh, results are? Do they care? They should. If they're an owner, they should want to know. Have we gone up? Are we doing better? Uh, survey results. I mean, so many different things. Clinical outcomes. If they're an owner, they care about those things. If they're a renter, frankly, they'll. If if you're the executive director in an operation, they'll congratulate you for a high census, right? Or they'll feel bad for you for poor survey results. And if they're doing that, then they're probably a renter. An owner's opposite. They feel like it's their operation. They're the housekeeper that that wants to know and is excited for what they can do to get census to grow. They're the laundry worker that wants to know how they did on the survey. And frankly, they will hold any position accountable, no matter what title or where they see themselves on a hierarchy, they will go to the executive director and say, hey, we've got to be better at this and we need you to help us more. That's what an owner does they're not just somebody that says, well, it's not my place. It is their place because they're the owner. Right. So can you make an owner out of a renter? And if so, how? Yeah, that's, you know, it's always great to just hire people with the ownership <laughs> mentality. Right. But, I, but I do think you can create owners out of renters because I think I've been a renter in, in, in my career and have I'm trying to shift more to, to ownership there's a great story of a platoon commander. I believe this is told in the book Good to Great, if I remember right. But there's a story of a platoon commander that that throws in a... Uh, they do this drill where they the whole team has to leave a room in a certain amount of time with a pretend grenade. So they throw in a pretend grenade. They have to develop the system of how they can most quickly evacuate that room. And they get down to a time where they say, there's no way we can beat this time. Mm-hmm. And the platoon commander says, great. Let's see if that's true. Now we're going to do it with a live grenade. (laughs) What do you think happened, Ryan? My guess would be that they just absolutely crushed their prior fastest score. Cut their time in half. Why do you think that happens? They they could not, they were not equally motivated. Yeah. They couldn't simulate the real thing. Yeah, I mean, they're now vested, right? I mean, I see this in clusters. 
when it, when a cluster of partners realizes that when one cluster partner is losing money, they're actually taking money from the other cluster partners. They are going to them, them at the end of the month and saying, thank you for being more efficient than I have been. I need to borrow some of your money again this month. Yeah. When they realize that sense of ownership, two things change. One, the partner borrowing the money feels a lot more pressure to say, I have got to turn things around now. And the cluster partner says, hey, I've got to help, help you, you turn things yeah. around now because I'm kind of sick of writing this check for you every once in a while. Well, well, you can do that in, in uh, the same way with uh, department heads and your spend down sheet. So if you give your department heads a spend down sheet and you say, this is the budget that you have to hit, Typically what happens is when that department head doesn't hit the budget, they come to the leader and say, hey, can I get approval to go over budget because I've, I've spent more than I had to? And, and the leader, you know, frustratingly says, fine. What if you said to each department head, if you go over budget, you have to go to each other and find somebody else that has been more efficient in their budget and you have to borrow from them. Hmm. And, and work out an arrangement with them because hmm. that's the reality. This is the budget that we have to live in. They now feel the pressure of ownership and, and the peer pressure that comes from, from having, you know, yeah. thank you for being so much more efficient. Sorry, I wasn't as efficient. Um, now I need to no borrow need to from borrow, you. Yeah. That pressure creates an ownership uh, amongst each other. Uh, or, or even another example to create owners is just the staffing example that I used uh, before. Just staff appropriately to census and, and let the pressure of maintaining a healthy census be more desirable and frankly more fun than the stress of a low oh, sentence, right. uh, census. Because if we, if we just allow them to feel that pressure, they're going to own it more. And, and uh, I think all of this is taught in one of my, my absolute favorite training videos that people are probably sick of hearing and seeing, <laughs> but you can find it on the portal. And that's green and clean. And it's this idea that, that this, a father that sets the goals with the kids, he says, your job is green and clean. It's not mow the lawn, it's not water the grass, it's not all the specific things. Your job is green and clean. Your job are these goals. I'm here to help you. I am, I am ready to help you, but this is where you're going to be held accountable. And he makes sure that the son, what's green, what's clean, right. what's green, what's clean. And really he really understands everything. He makes and sure that he understands it really, really well. And then he says, okay, do you agree? And the son says, yes, I'll do it. The son then feels the pressure. He even fails, but the father lets him fail hmm. and then says, okay, so what can I do to help? Let me, let me show you. And he helps kind of like a spotter in a gym that the, the, the person's not able to lift the bar. And the guy says, okay, I'm gonna, what can I do to help? Lift me a little bit. Show me that I can do it. Right. And, and it creates an owner out of the son. And, I, and it's why I love that because I, I feel like otherwise the son would just be taking orders all the time and be a renter. Right. But he learns to create an owner by motivating him with goals and regular accountability discussions. Yeah, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed the green and clean video too for the reasons you just outlined. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I have one final question for you. Um, is there a limit to your ownership? Is there a point where you can just wash your hands and say, I can't own this anymore? That's the debate. Um, I've used this example in my trainings as well. Uh, imagine a school teacher okay. that 
work so hard. They work long hours. They love their students. They are trying so hard to get these students to study, to be prepared for, study for, and pass a very important exam. Now imagine the student that doesn't study, doesn't care, parties the night before, goes to bed late, very sleepy, takes the exam, and does a horrible job on the exam. Okay. The question is, does the teacher own those exam results? And usually in my trainings, half the people say, no, that's not fair. The teacher did all that they could. It's a great, this is a great question. Yeah, it's hard. And and then you have the uh, the other half that says, no, I think the teacher needs to own up to the idea that they were not as effective as they could have been. There are two types of leaders, resources, you know, whatever, teachers, Effective and ineffective. (laughs) Right. And no matter how much heart that teacher put into it, they were ineffective. The reality is that they didn't inspire and they have to go back to the drawing board. And an extreme owner is going to say, I do own those test results. The same thing can be said amongst cluster partners. you you reach out to a facility and that facility we 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 know your model the model is you you get to make decisions for the facility well okay but i encouraged them and i and i prodded them and i i said and they didn't listen to me do you as a cluster partner own the poor results of that cluster partner you can wash your hands and say i did all that i could i said i told them what they needed to do all of that stuff but were you effective And an extreme owner is going to say, yes, I do own that cluster partner's results. A resource, the same thing. Imagine you're you're an accounts receivable resource and you are telling the business office manager, do this. I promise if you do this, you'll be more successful. And that business office manager does not do it. And their DSO is high. Do you own that high DSO? An extreme owner says, yes. I have not done all that I could. I've... I could have affected in some way yeah. these results differently, and I didn't. I need to be more I effective. Yeah. I, look, I, um, there, there's some leaders are what I like to call tortured geniuses. A tortured genius <laughs> is, is somebody that, that thinks they're doing everything right, but if everyone else around them would just would do just their job, do then they wouldn't be such victims to their results. Owners are not tortured geniuses. Um, we have to learn to be owners and to point inward. We, we have to own it. Leadership matters. You own it. It's on you. The good news is you're not the victim. Yes, that comes with a lot of pressure. But the great news is, is if you change, the operation will change. If you find ways to be more effective, the operation will be more effective. So it doesn't matter your job title. I don't care if you're a housekeeper, a laundry worker, a CNA, a nurse, you can own the results of an operation. Ownership says it's yours, no matter your job title. Lead up more effectively. Lead your executive director. Lead your director of nurses. Lead your peers more effectively. Own the effectiveness of your ability to influence others in your quest to dignify long-term care in the eyes of the world. That was fantastic, Clay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan.